0: You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, Father, we just come before you uh, as your people, uh, wanting to hear from you once again. Um, Father, believing that uh, we are a part of your story. Uh, God, you've written us into the most incredible story uh, that has ever been told, and you allow us to play a, a significant part as your people and as your servant. And so, as we as we continue to learn about what you've done in the past, God, I pray it would just give us an identity as your people and, and lead us into the mission that you've called us to here as a church. And, uh, and so, Father, we ask uh, specifically that our hearts would continue to be open to any sin, uh, any idols that we've built up, uh, areas of repentance that needs to be made, uh, God, we believe that your spirit it convicts us and, and, is, uh, and is sanctifying us uh, through repentance and faith. And, and we just want to see that work continued as we open up your word and we read, uh, but also as we worship together. Uh, Father, I pray for our children now as they are being taught your word, uh, God, that you would uh, reveal yourself to them through song and dance and craft, and, uh, and story time. Um, Father, I thank you for a, a church full of men that would lead, uh, that would serve in the absence of, uh, of, our, of, our, of our wives being away this weekend. Um, God, it's just an incredible testament to uh, the commitment that they have to your church and, uh, and to wanting to see uh, your work advance here in this community. And so we can come before you boldly asking these things because of Jesus. Amen. Um, yeah that that idea of, of just the as i was sitting here i was thinking about the guys in our church and all that they did you know today uh, for a service and uh, the women of our church play such an incredibly vital role in in the the life of the church but uh in children's community we've never had a problem getting men which is pretty rare if you if you've been in church life uh usually it's like the women teach the kids and the guys drink coffee and they're the ushers and you know, stuff like that. So to have men that will teach other boys and for them to be able to constantly see a man teaching them the Word is is awesome. So just wanted to to hit that. They can't hear me saying that. They're below us, but um, you guys hopefully be encouraged by it. Um, So we are walking through uh, a series that's lasting all year long. So I know uh, quite a few of you guys in here are visitors. Uh, We are teaching through the story of the Old Testament uh, in a year as a church. So we started in the book of Genesis and, uh, and we're just plugging away, hitting the big topics, the big ideas uh, of what God is doing. Uh, everything that we're talking about is constantly pointing toward Jesus coming, pointing toward the cross. And so that's why we called this story, the, the, this uh, series, The Road to Emmaus. Uh, today we find ourselves uh, right in the middle of, uh, of the books of, of 1 and 2 Kings and First and Second Chronicles of that era. Uh, and it's the dividing of the kingdoms into two. And so there's a couple of... Uh, things that we need to keep into perspective, especially as we go forward as a church, because up until now, uh, God has always talked to his people as Israel, right? They're the group of people that he rescued out of Egypt, the descendants of Abraham. He led them through the wilderness. He brought them into the promised land. We did conquest. We did the establishment of the the tabernacle, the priesthood. Uh, Ultimately, uh, David, the king, David coming uh, in the Davidic covenant, Solomon building the temple. All of that stuff. Uh, well, what we're going to see today is this people of Israel that's always been under one king uh, is going to get divided into two peoples. And so there's going to be a couple of, I, th- I think, things to, to remember. So um, we're going to have two names, pretty much, that's going to be referred to. It's going to be the, the southern kingdom and we're going to have the, the northern kingdom. And the, the, the southern kingdom is going to be referred to as Judah... And it's going to compromise the tribe of Judah and also uh, the tribe of, of uh, Benjamin. Do you spell Benjamin? Is there an H in there? Yeah. And then the northern tribe is going to be referred to as Israel. And it's going to compose the other, the other ten tribes. Uh, southern kingdom, their main city is going to be Jerusalem. The northern is going to be Samaria, um, in our story today, southern kingdom is going to be led by Rehoboam, and northern by Jeroboam, Israel, northern ten tribes, Samaria, Jeroboam. Okay, so as we go forward in our story, they're going to constantly be jumping back and forth between two tribes, two different groups of people. And so as you read, you're going to have to really consciously think about, okay, is he talking about the northern tribe or is he talking about the southern tribe? This tribe is always going to have a king that's going to come out of the the line of David. So it's going to be an heir of David. Uh, like like Rehoboam was. This tribe, on the other hand, is going to have a bunch of different kings. Pretty much whoever's strongest will get to lead this tribe. He'll come in and he'll kill the other king constantly. Another one will come up and it'll kill that king. And so this this group will constantly be having different kings. Uh, this group will constantly have an, an heir of David um, and a lot of times they're going to be warring against one another. A lot of times because they're warring against one another, it's going to make them weak to everybody else wanting to come in and kill them. So they're going to have other groups constantly coming in and trying to kill them. So when you read through for pretty much Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, and then as a church we're going to get into the minor prophets, Ezra and Nehemiah. We're going to get into the major prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah. They're constantly going to be jumping back and forth between the northern and the southern tribes, Right? And so you need to constantly think about context, like who is that particular person talking to? And, and I know even when I was reading it over the last couple of weeks, it's really easy to get confused, to think about, okay, who are they talking to? So hopefully this will give you guys a little bit of picture. In our story today, we're going to talk about these two guys, uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So what happens in our story is Solomon, where we left off last week, was with the sin of Solomon. He 700 wives, right? He uh, brought in a bunch of different... Uh, idols into Israel for all of these wives. They brought him to many different gods. He built up uh, pretty much these these false places of worship all over uh, Israel. And because of that, God punishes Solomon. But he tells him, I'm not going to punish you in your lifetime. It's going to be in your son's lifetime. That's when the kingdom is actually going to be taken away from you. So if you have your Bibles, we're in the book of 1 Kings chapter 11. And if not, we have it up here on the screen. So in 1 in Kings uh, 11, uh, God tells uh, Solomon in chapter 11, Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice and you have not kept my commandments, referring to the idolatry, um, and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. So that servant that he's talking about is this guy named Jeroboam. So when Solomon was building his, his empire, you know, he built the temple, but he also built his palace, he, he built up the city of Jerusalem, and then he built up the whole empire, uh, built a lot of other cities. Uh, Solomon, when he was doing this building campaign, he noticed there was this young guy named Jeroboam that was really, really talented. And it says over in verse 28 of chapter 11, the man Jeroboam was very able... And when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor over the house of Joseph. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Remember, even in building the temple, there was 180,000 people that were employed to build it. So this guy had to, had to have some amazing people skills, right? Just to be able to be over the forced labor of 180,000 people and them not stone him to death because he's the, he's the taskmaster, Right? I mean, he's the the guy at the very top that has to get these people to accomplish this task. Well, what happens in the story is God has told Solomon, Hey, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. God sends a prophet to Jeroboam and says, Guess what? You're going to be that guy. Like, you're going to be the one that's going to lead Israel after I take it away from Solomon. And so we see in in verse 38 of chapter 11, uh, God, when he's talking to uh, Jeroboam, he says, And if you will listen to all that I have commanded you, and if you will walk in my ways and do what's right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments as as David, my servant, did, I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. Now that's an amazing promise from God, right? I mean, he's going to a guy that's not even of the lineage of David, right? God had made a, a promise to, to, to David that, that it, would, it would always be one of your children that would, that would reign over. But because of, of his, the disobedience of Solomon, God says, you know what, Jeroboam? I'm going to give the kingdom to you and you're going to take it. But listen to what he says here. He says, if you will do what is right in my eyes by keeping my... So I will walk with you... Hmm, If you will listen to me and walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes my commandments, as my servant David did, I will be with you and build build you a sure house. So Solomon in the story hears about this promise to Jeroboam. And what do you guys think Solomon's going to do when he hears about Jeroboam being the next leader? He's going to try to kill him, right? Typically, it's what a king does. If he knows that someone's going to overtake his throne, even if God has commanded it, He tries to protect himself, and he's going to try to kill Jeroboam. So Jeroboam is going to flee to Egypt, and he's going to hide there for a number of years until the death of Solomon. So where our story picks up today, that's the background context of this. So he's been promised Israel. Uh, He knows it. God told him. Solomon doesn't like it. He's just going to wait Solomon out to die. So he dies, and in chapter 12, let's see, uh, see what happens here. Uh, We'll start in verse 16. Is that what you have? You have 25? You know what? I'm going to start wherever I want. Sorry. Uh, So I'm going to start in the beginning of 12. So it says in 12... Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. So, so Rehoboam here, uh, his dad has died. He's the next one in line to be the king, right? He's been bred to be the king his entire life. He's going to go to this really significant place in the empire, and that's the place where they have to crown him as king. Now, in Israel, you didn't get to just be king. You had to, the people had to make you king, right? They didn't just say, oh, he's the next king. They would all gather together and they would pretty much announce you as the new king. So he goes there and as soon as Jeroboam, the son of of Nebat, heard of it, Uh, He was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon. Then Jeroboam returned uh, from Egypt. So this is an interesting situation. So now the two two kings are pretty much going to try to head it off here. He believes it's his because he's Solomon's son. He believes it's his because God told him he was going to be the next leader of Israel. Um, So they all meet together, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, "'Your father made our yoke heavy.' Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. And he said to them, Go away for three days, and then come again to me. So the people went away. Then, the king, then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever." But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said this to me? They've said, lighten the yoke that your father put on us. And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, thus shall you speak to the people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you have lightened it for us. Thus shall you say, my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. Cocky. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Not a people person, right? I mean, this guy, he's got it coming to him. So the people, all of Israel, come before this new guy that's the son of Solomon, and they say, Hey, you know, we have built this empire, it's been built on our backs. We've toiled and we've labored. Would you lighten our burden? And the old men go to, the, go to him and say, you know what, I think you should. If you will serve them, they will serve you, right? I mean, that's what Jesus models, models for us. So then, good old, Jer- good old uh, Rehoboam goes to his buddies and says, hey, what do you guys think I should do? And he says, you need to work them harder. You need to remind them who, who, who's in charge here. You know, if, you, if they thought your dad was tough, wait till they meet you. He whipped them, but you'll, you can whip them with scorpions, Right? I mean, it's so ironic of this happening. This guy is the son of the wisest person that ever lived on the planet, right? That was the gift that God gave Solomon that we talked through. And his son is not listening. And, And I started, when I heard that, I was like, I know there's a proverb that talks about that exact same thing. And so me and Jamie were going back and forth with our Bibles, and we finally hunted it down in Proverbs 13. So funny. It says... This is one of Solomon's Proverbs that I'm sure his son would have read. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I mean, there's this ultimate irony in this whole thing. And obviously, I think it's, God is ordaining it. He's causing all this to happen in his, in his sovereignty. So, so what's the outcome of this? Uh, the people with Jeroboam there as their leader... Right? Which is amazing that they've taken their taskmaster and they want him to now be king. He must be a a really good leader. Right? It says that he has amazing abilities. He's he's come out of hiding. The people are there with him. And so what do the people do is they, they revolt against the king. And they say, okay, what do we have in the house of David? Everybody to your tents and back to your tribes. And so at that point, the nation splits into these two groups. And the southern kingdom makes Rehoboam king over them he gets king over two tribes but it's really significant cuz he's got Jerusalem right he's got the location of the temple the tabernacle the place of worship the levites are going to go with rehoboam so all of that priesthood is going to be there and actually quite a few of the the ones that are truly obedient to god that do have an inheritance of david are going to leave their tribes and they're going to join this group of people so you're going to have a, a movement of people over to jerusalem and then you're going to have jeroboam now and they say, hey, won't we, these ten tribes say, we want you to lead us and you be our king, right? Well, this is a really precarious situation for, for Jeroboam. Because now he's the king over God's people. But the temple is located here. What happens if all of his people keep going to Jerusalem to worship? He's going to slowly lose those people, right? They're going to they're see this king over here and what's going on. And so Jeroboam is in this place where it's, it's this really interesting situation. He has a promise from God that God would make him a nation just like David, that if he was obedient to his commands, that if he walked with him, he would lead him and he would allow him to be the king over these people and lead them rightly. But he has this moment in his life that he comes to this situation and, and he doesn't know what, what, what to do and, and we've got it here and, in verse, uh, verse 25 of chapter 12. And so, what, is, what does Jeroboam do? It says, then, Jeroboam, not knowing what to do about this situation, because the tabernacle is on the other side of the wall, it says that Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and he built Penuel. So he built these two cities. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David." If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn again to their Lord and to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. Right? Legitimate problem he's got here. But look at what he does to solve the problem. So the king took counsel, probably from young guys, uh, and he made two golden calves. And he said to the people, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods. O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel and he set the other in Dan. So this guy who has the promise from God to lead the people of Israel leads them directly into idolatry by creating two gods. Now what's the ultimate irony of making a golden calf for a child of Israel? Whoops. Whoops, has that ever happened before? You guys remember when they came out of Egypt and he wa- rescued them through the Red Sea and Moses is up on Mount Sinai? What do the people do? What does Aaron do? He makes them a golden calf. And their punishment, they have to eat the golden calf afterwards, right? I mean, it's, it's like crazy. They, they had to have been talking about that story for a really long time. But it's a reminder to us of how prone we are to wander into idolatry. For us to have the promises of God to have his commands, right, if you walk in my ways, this is the best way to live. But in those moments in life when, when I guess, when, when you don't, when maybe things aren't working out like you thought it would or, or the idea of trusting solely on God just doesn't sound like a good proposal to you, what do we do? We tend to act like Jeroboam. We create an idol in our life, something that takes the place of God. And Jeroboam's not only going to make these two calves and put them at both ends of his empire, he's going he's to create a whole priesthood, not of the tribe of the Levites. He's going to set up holy days, which aren't holy days that have been ordained by God. I mean, this guy is going to lead these people rapidly away from God. Why do you think that is? And it doesn't really tell us exactly why. Obviously, once again, it happened because God was sovereign. He wanted it to happen. But the interesting thing about these two guys, this guy had all the credentials and the fact that he was the son of Solomon. He would have been raised to lead, right? But he had some problems with his people skills. This guy, he didn't come from anybody well-known, He didn't have a a heritage. He was from the tribe of Nebat. We don't know anything about that. But the only thing that we know that Jeroboam had was skills and abilities. And in Jeroboam's moment of fear, he turns to his ingenuity and to his abilities to save himself. When he has God's word right there, all he'd have to do is say, God, what do you want me to do? The people, they're all, they're all going away. It's not, it's not working out like I thought it was going to, God. What do I do? And we turn to our, our abilities. And many times, I think we are prone to do the same thing. I think that's why that story is in there. I think that's why God and his sovereignty allows us to see these two kings the and the way that they act. Because I really believe that we are just an idolatrous people. And, and it's okay for us to stop and examine our lives and to say, okay, what idols have I built up in my life? Like, what things am I turning to you, to instead of God? And you may be sitting there and saying, well, I don't know how to identify these idols. What do you mean? Like, it could, is it something good? Is it bad? I, I haven't built a golden calf in my yard that I bow down to. What, the, what are you talking about? Well, here's some questions. Uh, and me and a couple of guys in the church have been going through a book uh, called uh, You Can Change by Tim Chester. And it's not a self-help book, I promise. It's actually an, an incredible book. Um, but it had a, a, few, a few questions in there that, that when, I w- when I was reading over them, they, uh, they were just really, they just really helped me. So how do you know if, if you have an, an idol? How do you know if you've set something up in your life that's taking the place of God? Think about these questions. What do you trust? How do you spend your money and time? What do you hope in? What causes you despair? Who are you trying to please? What has brought you the greatest happiness in life? What has brought you you the greatest pain in life? Those questions, if you think about that, like what do you have in life that if it was taken away from you, you would know what to do? Because I think many of our idols initially aren't bad things, right? I think they're they're desires that we have. And God has placed us with desires, and he's placed us on the earth, and there's things that we want. Just like Jeroboam, I mean, he wanted to lead his people, right? But in order to lead those people, he created a, a, a false idol to accomplish that desire, to accomplish his purposes, and so I don't, know, I don't know where his heart was. I don't know if he meant to lead the people into idolatry or if he just wanted to give them a, a God. It wasn't unusual to use images of animals, right? I mean, you've got those in the tabernacle. There's images of animals and creatures. In the Holy of Holies, there's these two big seraphim, right, standing over. But it was his, it was his heart behind it is that he didn't trust that God would provide for him. And so as, as me and these guys have been meeting, we've just been really examining our lives. And, uh, and, and especially the, the what, what if it was taken away from us, you know? What causes us the greatest pain? Like what leads you to depression? You know, is it, I have to have this in order to be happy. I have to have, you know, my children acting a certain way. My children don't act a certain way. Then I'm not happy and I've felt as a parent. Well, it could be, could be because you've raised your kids to be little idols in your life. Or I have to have this girlfriend. And if I don't have a girlfriend, I don't, I, I don't you don't have to look at your kids' macros. It makes it feel awkward for them. Um, if, I, if I don't have this girlfriend in my life then I, and then I just don't have anything, if I don't have money or this much money or this type of a house or this type of a job, or if I don't go to this type of a church that acts like this and does this and offers these programs, hey, church can be an idol, right? I mean, that's why, that's why the story of the Old Testament goes on so long, so repetitively, and the people constantly wonder in idolatry, because we're meant to read it and say, yep, me, yep, me, I do that, yep, that's me. And we're meant to say, okay, God, I have all of these idols, I, I am prone to idolatry, Father, would you you break me of these? Would you change my heart? And the the life of a follower of Jesus is a life of repentance and faith. It never stops. You never arrive at some point where there's no more idols in your life or you have nothing more to confess of. Right? We come before God and we constantly offer down these sacrifices to Him. And the beauty of, of what we have, man, that, that, that Rehoboam and Jeroboam didn't have is we have Jesus, right? They had a, a sacrificial system that they had to go through to get to God. We have the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus. We have direct access to God. Not only that, we have God's Spirit living inside of us and not living inside of a temple like these guys have. He dwells in us, sanctifying us, right? That work of sanctification. When you you confess Christ as your Savior, you're justified by what Jesus did. But then begins a a lifetime of sanctification that won't be completed until you die and go to heaven to be with Jesus. This work inside of you that God is leading you to, to repent of sin in your life. Because the scary thing is, if if we don't repent, then there's really no evidence that God ever dwells inside of us. God comes to Jeroboam and says, Hey, dude, you've led my people into idolatry. And it's an amazing story. You guys should keep reading in chapter 12. God sends a prophet to Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, as the prophet is telling him his sin, he says, Stop him! And his arm freezes and shrivels up in the story. It's a crazy story. And then Jeroboam says, Oh, wow. I'm wrong. like I, I, look, what, look what happened. God gives him this supernatural sign. He repents. His arm turns back to normal. And look how chapter, so it's chapter 13 is where that happens. The end of chapter 13. And after this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil ways, but made priests for the high places again from among all the peoples. Any who would be ordained to the priest as a high priest. And this thing became a sin in the house of Jeroboam. So as to cut him off and to destroy him from the face of the earth. Man. I just want to encourage you guys to to spend some time now just examining your life. I didn't, I didn't want to speak a real long time because I want to give us some time right now to just say, okay, God, what is it in my life? What, have I done this? You know, am I like Jeroboam? Have I, have I placed an idol in my life that needs to be torn down? And I truly believe that, that God's Spirit, you know, will convict you of those sins, you know, and will, and will lead you to those. So what I want to encourage you guys to do is we're going to take a couple of minutes here, and we're just going to sit in silence, and we're just going to talk to God, and see if there's anything in our life that he needs to point out. And then what I want us to do is corporately, we have a confession that I'd like for us to do. And it's something new for us. Over the last couple of months, we've been introducing corporate readings. And you don't have to do it. But, uh, but it's something that we can say together. And it's all about idols in our life. And maybe you would like to use that as just your confession to God. I'm going to encourage you to do that. So for, you guys, for, for those of you in the room that are believers and, and that um, you know there, there are some sin in your life, some idols in your life that you need to repent of, I want to encourage you guys to do that. Uh, But if you're in the room today and and maybe you're just checking out uh, this whole God thing, I mean, there's probably some type of religious experience that you have that brought you to church today in this place. Uh, You uh, came here looking for reasons. And it's because you were made as an image bearer to God. That was the whole purpose that he made human beings, to reflect his image. And God has placed you on this earth as his reflection, to, to example him. Well, the problem, was, the problem is, is that when man sinned, you became a, a broken reflector of God. You now cannot reflect him perfectly because of, of the sin that's been committed before you, but also the sin that you have committed in your own life. And so, as a broken reflection of God, you tend to, to worship and reflect a lot of other things usually yourself. And I would imagine that you have lived much of your life like Jeroboam, depending on your talents and your abilities to know what you should and shouldn't do. And I just want to let you know that there's another way to live. There's a way to live submitting yourself to God, believing that you are sinful, that your talents and abilities are just going to lead you farther and farther away from Him. That you have spent your life creating a God, and it's you, and you, you worship yourself, and you offer sacrifices to yourself, and you are at the center of your being. And today, if, if you believe that, that God is, is calling you to say, you know what, I, ha- I have done that. I haven't lived life the way that you've called me to I would just invite you to come up and talk to me. I'm going to be sitting on the front row here during our worship time. And if you just want to know more about Jesus or you want to know more about this God that we're talking about that would orchestrate all of this, I'd love to tell you about him. So those are our two responses today, the chances that we have to, to, to respond to God. So what we're going to do is let's just spend the next you know, five minutes, we'll say, uh, in prayer. Um, if you're having a hard time, uh, just listen. It's amazing what God says when we just listen and we stop talking. And then we'll continue with a corporate confession. Uh, Macker, you mind playing a little bit while we do this? And just strumming and then and then we'll continue. So let's just, uh, you know, uh, i encourage you guys to bow your head and close your eyes and we'll uh, we'll spend some time talking to God. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.